comes ahead on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and with me, as always, is the man who decided not to get drenched the other day, Logan Stump. Decided? I don't, I'm so yeah, you, you had your season tickets for the San Jose oh. game <laughs> in Orlando and you decided to turn those in. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm the I'm a new weatherman. I've predicted things. We're supposed to go to Magic Kingdom tonight because the cast members had our preview, and my wife works at Disney, and we're supposed to go. And it's currently raining, um, so I'm pretty sure that our co-host for Fireworks stoppage are not time, happening. yeah, I'm pretty sure our co-host for stoppage time has uh, indefinitely screwed us um, <laughs> because it seems like it's going to rain for the next eternity. Because Matt said it always rains, and he's not wrong. Okay, yeah, so let's go ahead and uh, get start. We're going to talk uh, MLS. While we do so, uh, just tell us, uh, Logan, um, just tell us uh, a quick story about your last... Uh, when was the last time you went to a game? Was it? I was going to say the last time I went would have been... Ooh, God, that's a... Crazy question. Um, Orlando and Toronto would have been the last match that I saw um, in Orlando here. So I don't know. Like we, I, I, I it took my wife to that game, um, and she was fascinated with the game and the overall like performance and the show and everything that else goes with it. Not to mention that they have White Claw there. So all of my White Claw fans that are um, working on you know, specific things, uh, especially drinking White Claw and enjoying White Claw. I think it um, is definitely something to do. Um, but yeah, my wife went there and she basically what she did was she, she sat there and, and as the game started getting going, um, she was picking out players that really just kind of, you know, that she liked watching play. Um, I don't know whether it was because of their um, good looks or whether it was just because she liked how much of an athlete they were. She did make comments about that often about how athletic these guys were compared to basketball, baseball players where they weren't, you know, they weren't built, they weren't built like brick houses, but they were built um, in ways that they, you know, they're running around the pitch for 90 minutes plus. So it's, it was definitely something that was exciting for her, but just kind of going back to that game, I, I you know, we, so we got a game coming up this coming weekend, July 4th weekend, which is July 3rd. 
And what she's going to do is I actually, so with my season ticket pass, um, what I can do is I can not use one of my season tickets for one of the matches. Say I can't go to a match. I can use that money and that credit for another pass uh, or a ticket. And so what I did was I just exchanged my ticket in for credit and uh, I got my wife uh, a second ticket so that she can go again. So July 3rd, um, we're hoping that there may be some fireworks downtown that we can see from the stadium or something like that. But she gets to go July 3rd uh, on the credit. I had to pay 24 cents for her ticket, um, which was fantastic. But um, I, I can't wait to take her again. But, but it, it seems like it's been such a long time. It's been over a month since I've been to a game. So I think that that's been something that I've been looking forward to getting back to this weekend. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into our headlines. This is weird being on the right-hand side of the screen. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see here. Did you want to start or did you want me to start? I guess I can start. Um, sure, go ahead. Uh, the first one that I was going to go through was uh, the Minnesota United run, uh, the run that the Loons are making. Um, we started out the season, both Jordan and I, what, you had them. Um, it was like second and third or something like that. Um, I can show you. Yeah, there you go. You can show us. So we Jordan, both had them third, but I had MLS Cup winner. Yeah, and I was I was predicting them as a dark horse to make a run in the playoffs, a really deep run. Um, and then it started off the, the season uh, with quite uh, the opposite happening for what our prediction said. So they lost four straight, and then since then they've won four and lost or drawn two. Um, so they haven't lost since uh, early in May. May eighth was the last time they lost. Um, the fifth place uh, in the West right now. Yeah, and, and I, I think a lot of it has to do with just you know adding guys like uh, Abila and adding Frag Fragapain Fraga. I don't know how to say his name, um, but uh, adding those two attacking players, a midfielder um, and somebody on, on the you know in a forward position that that is threatening a goal score goal scoring. Um, I, I think it adds a lot of dynamic. Uh, attacking play to the loons um adrian heath uh you know maybe because maybe they did this to to benefit him because he's always done more as an underdog i guess and so maybe they lost four straight on purpose and then now they're they're putting a stretch of uh of, of games here uh together that they could be proud of but i mean they've beaten pretty good teams um not fantastic teams so that's kind of where like Yes, they're on a run, but it's also not against teams that I don't, you know, these teams aren't ones that are informed. So they've beaten Vancouver, Dallas twice, or uh, sorry, beat Dallas once, drew with them. Um, they beat Austin, but everybody's beating Austin these days. Um, and they beat a Portland team that I don't think is up to the caliber that a Portland team usually is. But, I, you know, i just impressed with a lot of what uh, Minnesota have done because it kind of, I think when you and I were talking before, they were down in the cellar. I mean, they were down in the... 12th or 13th position um, trying to gain their way back up. And now they're all the way up in the fifth and only have 10 games. Look, look I just had to check to see if I was muted or not. Uh, <laughs> look, uh, Vancouver is eight points. Their last place. Minnesota is in fifth with 14. So there is a six point gap. Right. So it only took that quick turnaround for Minnesota to go from like bottom to fifth place. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's why, like, I know we're going to talk about a certain team uh, on your next headline mm-hmm. uh, that uh, you might be starting to hit the panic button. I'm not, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Just because of how, like, from fourth to 13th place mm-hmm. in the West, it is an eight-point gap. Uh, so 
anybody's game on the West right now. But Minnesota, yeah, certainly turning it around up to fifth place. Uh, now, when we look at them, they also at four straight, right, at the beginning of the season. Like mm-hmm. you said, they have four wins, two draws. Uh, after that, their home record starting to look a little bit more respectable with the three wins to two losses. The away record still not so great. One win, two losses, two draws, but certainly improving. Their goal differential is still at a negative two. Uh, so they still haven't really been scoring all that much. But their defense is actually pretty decent after how bad they started off the season, right? Like mm-hmm. They're at a uh, 12 goals against. When we look at teams like Kansas City and LA Galaxy, who have 15 against, Houston has 16 against, Portland has 15 against. Like... Seattle has seven. Colorado has 11. That's the other teams in the top seven right now. Mm -hmm. So pretty good for Minnesota to turn it around. Uh, I do think it helps when you have the two new signings, right, Mm -hmm. to be able to help. And I think they're just – I don't think they were as bad as they were at the beginning of the season. You know, Uh, it's almost like when you're you're never as bad as – your worst game and never as good as your best game type of thing. Right. Uh, now it is a little funny that uh, Fraga pain is now already tied with leads and goals and same with uh who know, is that right? Like, yeah, I think that's how you say it. Uh, and they're, and they're both, you know, two of their brand new signings. They're both up there with uh, two goals. Reynoso only has the one still. In nine games, you have Fraga Payne and uh, Huno up there with only three and four appearances. Already, you know, already that high. Uh, so, pretty crazy. But, like, when we look at their schedule, right? Like, when we looked at Minnesota's schedule and we look at the beginning of the season, they had a rough set schedule anyway, right? Yeah. They started with Seattle, lost 4-0. They lost to Salt Lake. Two one. Salt Lake was in the top seven. They just fell out of it. So we still don't really know how that is. They lost to Austin. They lost to the Rapids, who's actually pretty good right now. Uh, then they started winning. Um, and these wins are one nil over Vancouver, one nil over Dallas, one one draw with Salt Lake, one one draw with Dallas, two nil win over Austin, one nil win over Portland. So they've definitely shored up their defense. I mean, in that span since May 12th, they've given up two goals, one to Salt Lake, one to Dallas. Um, yeah, with the position Dallas is in right now, you would have hoped if you're a Minnesota fan, you'd probably win that game, but I think it was an away game as well. So uh, it was. It was an away game. So I guess a point on the road's not so bad. But uh, I, I just think that they'll be they'll they'll be better right i think that they'll continue to be better they got san jose uh next which goodness should be a gimme at this point uh we'll talk about their issues uh because they just made some front office moves but then they have the rapids again then they have seattle again then they have portland again then they have lafc (laughs) (laughs) they have vancouver on the july 31st so that's maybe a reprieve for them uh, I don't know. So, I mean, look, the, the West teams are just going to continue to have to beat up on each other just because so there's so many good teams over there. And it's at this point where when you look at the standings, you have three 
clear front runners for the West, Seattle, KC, and LA Galaxy, and then everybody else, I feel like. Is that how you see it? Yeah, I I don't see anybody below that right now that are that are catching my eye going, okay, we're gonna compete with these three teams down at the end. Uh, and Seattle's kind of coming off their uh, really hot start. I mean, not tremendously, but uh, they're starting to drop back down towards the bunch. So I think yeah, you're still right, undefeated. Those top three are really just the ones that are going to be the most competitive. All right, anything else about Minnesota before we move on to my and topic? Anu was a, a, a recent signing as well. He's played four matches and has yeah. put out that number of, of goals. Abila probably has been the less uh, impressive of the three, I think. Yeah, the definitely. three signings that they've made, um, the two most recent that we talked about. Yeah, he, he was somebody that looked good against Seattle to start. The, mm-hmm. Like He almost could have scored right away. And then it hasn't it done like, anything since. since then, yeah, it doesn't seem like there's been much going on there. So we're going to move on to the best team in the East right now, Revolution. They lost. Panic buttons. They got their second loss of the season. Um, they're still top. They're 23 points out of 11 games. So they're actually under the points per game that Orlando has, which is... Orlando's at 2.1. New England's at 2.09 right now because Orlando's only played 21 and they're two points back. So a good moment for Orlando to be able to maybe capitalize on some of this now that they have DK back. They are getting Pato back soon. So the Revs went on this incredible streak uh, during... Geez, when was their last loss? I'm trying to... Everything is loading very slow for me. May 8th against Nashville. May 8th against Nashville. That was their first loss of the season. It's a good mm-hmm. team, too. So here's their results since then. A draw with the Union, 1-1 on the 12th of May. A 1-0 win over Columbus. A 3-1 win over New York. A 1-0 win over Cincy. A 3-2 win over NYCFC. A 3-2 win over New York Red Bulls. They love those 3-2s over the New York teams. And then they lose to Dallas, the worst team in the West, if I'm still correct. No, they jumped Vancouver. up over Austin now. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that changed. Man, everything's changed. That's how quick the West changes because of that small gap there. Mm-hmm. They actually let Frog- <laughs> Dallas leapfrog two teams there um, with that win. So that is, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. They went six games without a loss. Pretty good when you've only played... 11 right <laughs> like mm-hmm. at that point you know it was like uh you're winning you're losing one almost every six games which you know you you, you would take that right because there's right. 34 games divided by six that doesn't work out evenly though does it um so you have like five you're gonna have about six losses in the season then if you if you had that not gonna happen i don't think but at the pace that they were at, that's what they were kind of looking for. A cool stat about the Revs with this loss is actually it makes their uh, away form uh, really nice. Okay, their away form is now two two and two. <laughs> Before that, it would have been two one two. So uh, now that's even. Uh, their home form though is still just five zero zero. So they've they've been perfect at home, which not even Seattle has done. They've had three draws at home. 
uh, Kansas City has had five wins and two draws at home as well. So just something to point out there that uh, the Revs have slipped up. Is it time for Orlando to capitalize? Uh, if we look at the schedule, uh, Red Bulls, I mean Red Bulls, Revolution have Columbus. That's going to be a tough one. Columbus mm-hmm. is starting to kind of get a little bit more of a feel to it. That's on July 3rd. That's on ESPN. We'll cover that at the end of the show as well. And when we look at Orlando, Orlando is scheduled for, I should know this. July 3rd against the Red Bull. Against Red Bull. Oh, that's right, because my sister's going to that game. Yep. Uh, man, so when we look at standings, Red Bull is below Columbus. So you would say Orlando should have the better shot there, right? Um, but the way MLS works with these games, these teams are never even, it seems like, with games played. So even if you win that one and then Revs win that one, then mm-hmm. uh, they're still ahead of you. But, you know, you, you have to think that if you're Orlando, right, you're getting healthy, Rev slipped up. Perfect time to grab some points, right? And you're at home. Yeah, and it, especially with Galisi missing, with uh, Sebastian Mendez out, with Pato still hurt, with DK just coming back into form. Chris Mueller hasn't been great. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of issues. That, and Orlando hadn't defend, defended as well um, in the last couple of matches. Um, so, just trying to get back into that uh, at home and uh, against a team that I think they can – get some revenge on because Red Bulls beat us before we head into that break. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it, it's a good opportunity for Orlando to jump up into that spot, and especially, especially without Pedro, because I, I think that's the biggest loss is just not having Pedro around because of the Copa Americans. So. And uh, when, when we look at it, uh, this is actually going to be Columbus's uh, against the Revs. This is going to be the opening of their new mm-hmm. – beautiful new crew stadium i'm not calling it lower dot com field or whatever no but they pay the bills jordan i don't care find <laughs> they don't pay my that, bills find somebody that doesn't have a dot com in the name <laughs> for the stadium please i think i think it's like lower rate dot com field or something like that too yeah, it's almost as one. bad as the chicago white Sox with guaranteed rate guaranteed field. rate that's what it is yeah actually that's better than a dot com lower dot com or whatever uh but if you like us, if you'd like to sponsor us slower, maybe I can change my. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, start paying our bills, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll have it. Like... We'll we'll shill it. We'll be yeah. like, oh, that's the best stadium in MLS. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so so that's gonna mean a lot to Columbus, right? So I mm-hmm. think that maybe Columbus goes out there. They Revs could lose another one. Revs form away from home is the two two two, right? It's not a home game for the Revs, so. And it's a home game for Orlando against the Red Bulls. I think it's lining up that Orlando could even uh, maybe get the first place this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, the Revs look good, though. I mean, Gustavo Bowes finally looked yeah. really good. Nine matches, five goals, two assists. Uh, Buxa, who we had some questions about, he's got four goals. And Carly Seals on, like, a war path has set that MLS record of, uh, of assists per season. Um, and uh, in season uh, with seven assists already, and he's only played in those 11 matches. Every time he touches the ball, again, we talked about how goal dangerous he is and how many chances he creates on goal. Yeah, he and uh, and uh, Nani, I feel like, are should be really good picks for MVP at this point. Yeah. Or somebody on Seattle, like Raul Ruiz Diaz, I guess. Yeah, or Christian Roldan. Yeah, it depends on how Seattle does. If Seattle finishes undefeated, then we'd have our own 
Invincibles here in America, and that would be somebody from there would have to get it. Yeah, I would think. Yeah. I mean, that would be yeah. insane. That would never. It's not going to happen. But if we no, keep but it's saying getting closer. It's not happen. If we keep saying it's not going to happen, it's going to happen. So I'm yeah. going to keep saying that. I, I would like to see it because I just think that would be fun. They'd lose in the playoffs for sure. I yeah. think. But I think if you if they won supporter shield with no losses, that would be pretty cool. All Logan has to do is say that, man, Seattle doesn't look like they're ever going to lose in a text message. And Seattle will lose. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, okay, let's go to your second one here. LAFC struggles. Yeah, so... What's your I, thought on them? So, like you said, uh, the West is really difficult. Because I was trying to pick a lot of the Western because you picked some of the Eastern guys. Yeah, to, I picked to really, a lot of the East. Yeah. You picked three of the East, so I picked three of the West. Uh, well, no, two oh, West and then okay, one I was East. Say, yeah. yeah, I forgot Armis was the next one. Spoiler alert. Oh, but no, and the reason why I want to talk to about, talk about LAFC is because I think when you're looking at a team um, that uh, many expected to be back to the form that we saw them um, in years past, especially with Vela, um, and then Vela completely healthy for this season, um, I think you saw a lot of people say that LAFC was easily one or two in the West and should run away with the West um, with a couple other teams in mind, maybe, but I think there was a lot of hype with LAFC, but because of the way that injuries have worked out, Diego Rossi's been hurt at times um, and not has, has not played all the games that you would normally see him play. And he's not up onto the production level as he was last year just because I think there's just so much more going on. Um, they've got Corey Baird that they're trying to mix in at, at a number nine, um, and he's been you know uh, dinged up a couple times. Um, and if you look at all their matches played, like none of them have really played. I think the only ones that have played all their matches is Sofuentes, uh, Atuesta, um, uh, Murillo, and then Segura, I think, are, are the guys that have played 10 matches. Um, and, you know, I, I think when you look at a team that uh, is supposed to be fighting for titles, you would like to see that list be a little longer. But because of all these guys haven't been in form, they haven't been fit, they've been out because of different reasons. Um, Carlos Vela, especially being of concern, uh, you know, it's just a team that really struggled to kind of find a groove, whether that be rust, whether that be fitness, whether that be just trying to get guys back in. Um, and maybe they find it here and then they could take off like a rocket. Um, because I think that's the kind of team they have. Um, but when you're looking at teams like this, this is one of those ones you got to be concerned. I think they're ninth, um, in the West. Um, uh, but again, that's yeah. not saying a lot when the teams are, what'd you say? 25 and, uh, so so right now LAFC is ninth with twelve points. Mm -hmm. They're one point away from seventh place, and they're four points away from fourth place. So I think I will say I'm not as concerned about you because, uh, like you said, yeah. the injuries. Now, of course, you could do the counter argument that Orlando had seen through all of this stuff with injuries mm -hmm. and players on Copa and all this stuff. <clears throat> but when I look at their schedule, I I didn't realize this, even though we talk about this every week. <laughs> this schedule was pretty brutal for LAFC to start to off. Start. They had Austin. They won that one, no problem, 2-0, right? They draw with Seattle. That looks like a pretty good result now. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, they draw with Houston. That one you can kind of be like, really? But Houston's in the top six right now. So they played well, too. Maybe early cut on. them some slack, right? Yeah. Then they lose to LA Galaxy. Really, El Traficos are coin toss, but also uh, a coin toss, not a toy toss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tomato potato, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But LA Galaxy have been like one of the best teams in the West right now, so you can't even fault them for that. Then they lose to Seattle at Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. Then they lose. They beat Colorado, who's been a good team. They lose to NYCFC, who have been uh, up and down, up four, and down, up and down, yeah. top four in the East, though. And then they lose to uh, uh, they, they draw with Houston good. again. Okay, then they beat Dallas, a team they have to beat, and then they lose to another good team in the West in Kansas City. So it's like I don't even know. The one thing I'd be concerned about maybe is their away form: no wins, mm-hmm. three losses, one draw, but. Their home form is three wins, one loss, two draws. That's that's okay. I mean, it's not as good as some of these other teams. But when you look at – actually, when I'm looking at these home records outside of the top three of the West, mm-hmm. so Seattle's 4-0-3, Kansas City's 5-0-2, LA's 4-1-0. Then you have Colorado being 3-1-0, Minnesota's 3-2-0, Houston's 3-0-2, Portland's 3-2-0. LAFC falls right in line with that 3-1-2, you know? So, like, it's not even, like to, – to me, I think that they'll be okay. And the thing is, with MLS, right, we're reaching that summer period. If they can bring in somebody or if they just get healthy, they're literally four points out of fourth place. And I think right now a top four spot with the way that they started the season and home playoff game probably feels pretty good. And you got to think, Houston might still drop out of there. Colorado or Minnesota might drop out of there. Or with the way Portland's playing, Portland might drop out of there. But I think at this point, we're pretty sure Seattle, KC, and LA Galaxy are in that top west. Mm -hmm. And probably going to be in the playoffs. I I don't think there's a doubt in my mind those three will be in there. But uh, look, that that's the thing though with the West, they could literally slip the last place in like two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and when we look at their schedule going forward, they do have Salt Lake, uh, who they have yet to play this season. And, and that one's twice. That one's at Rio Tinto. Yeah. Then they go to Q2 Stadium and face Austin. And with the way Austin's playing right now, even at home. They've only had two home games, 0-0 results. LA Galaxy, I think, could nab something from there, too, if they're healthy. And I think that that is the main crux of them, and that I'm not ready to panic yet. I think with the way the West is right now, all of these teams are going to be in contention until maybe uh, the last two weeks of the season, which is usually something the East has. Uh, but it looks like it's going to be the West this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, out of all the teams I'm looking at, they, they the thing about LAFC, they have the talent to make one of these gigantic runs just because of how deep they are. And they have the coach. Mm-hmm. I think they have the coach too. Yeah. Uh, so my mine here is Chicago. They He's get a point. Fire. They get a point against the Philadelphia Union. Uh, now... You can look at this two ways if you're Chicago, right? You can look at this and say, we got a point. That's pretty good. Uh, But you could also look at it and say it was a home game, and we led the game 3-2 at some point, right? So there is some issues where you probably look at it and say, well, we haven't played so well at Soldier Field this year, and we could have won this game 
and let them back in. The reason why I think a point is actually kind of big for them is because the last time Union played them in Chicago, uh, the Union uh, won. And I think that they need any sort of points they can get at this point because I actually think it might be down between Toronto and Chicago for the wooden spoon right now. And if I'm Chicago, I don't want that. And I think that's going to lead into your next point with Toronto. But I look at Toronto, and, and somebody shared this online. Like That lineup had, I think, seven out of the 11 players were in the, like their Champions League final lineup. Mm-hmm. And now they can barely even get points in MLS. So, um, you know... It, is it Chris Armas? They, you know, this team was actually like second place for the supporter shield last year. So mm-hmm. I think management has something to do with it. I also think it's just an older squad at this point. Yeah. But uh, when I look at Chicago, I think, okay, we need points. Their record is almost identical to Toronto right now, actually. Uh, they've won one game. Each one has won one. They've each lost seven and they've each tied two. Uh, so this is actually only their second draw of the season, which makes sense because they only have five points. Uh, they have a negative 10 goal differential while Toronto has a negative eight. So Chicago's issue right now is scoring. They've only scored seven. They've given up 17. But remember, I just said they've only scored seven. They scored three this game. So before that, they'd only scored four goals in the previous nine games. It's not. It's not good. The runner runner up of the Golden Boot is on their team, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, where do you think Chicago goes from here? Is a point good enough against the Union at home? And this is a good team that usually doesn't give up that many goals in the Union. Uh, but of course, it was right after I said this should be a three nil victory for the Union. No problem done. That uh, the Union draw three three. <laughs> But uh, where do you think Chicago goes from here? And what, you know, do you see them possibly outpacing Toronto? Um, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a really tough one, that glass question. I, I don't know. I, I like, I would say that of the two teams, I think I would be a little bit more concerned right now in the way that Toronto's going because they're leaking a lot more and just not scoring anything with it. Um, and I think that they're an aging roster. Or at least I think Chicago could add maybe one or two pieces and not be like a bottom dweller. Um, But I do think, you know, missing uh, a guy like Frankowski right now because he's over, um, he was over in Euros. So he was missing um, because he's playing with Poland. I think that this is a good point if you're looking at it from a perspective of what can we just salvage from this year. Um, Which, you know, you called it, you called it more so than I because I was a little bit more high on them. Um, going into the season than you were and, and you said that you had major concerns just by the production and the the lack of production they had last year from basically any direction whether it was the wings or the midfield and they couldn't defend anybody um that still looks to be the case yeah, this we're year. Seeing a lot of that right. this year. right except now they really just can't score so i you know i, I think they, and then they go and score three against the union which makes no sense and that's why mls is fun yeah. um but again I, I think that you're right i think that um this is a team that is just trying to grab anything that's left. That's uh, oxygen. Um, uh, I think Wiki won't be around uh, much longer. Uh, he's he like Armis, I think, are, are very similar situations because I think that there are uh, they are a roster that just isn't going anywhere. 
Um, maybe people thought Toronto was going to be more of a contender because uh, I remember we were texting back and forth because we thought adding Soteldo um, was, was going to do a lot for this team. And man, it was like after that, they just tanked. And, and that's just not a good look for the front office. It's not a good look for Armis. Um, and it kind of makes you look at Armis because of his lack of success over the last couple of years. Um, but I, I think before Chicago we transition, is Before we transition to your mm-hmm. Armis point, I just want to say Chicago, Wiki has to be gone at the end of this year. You haven't – look, mm-hmm. you can only rebrand so many times, right? And this will be their third – their second rebrand in the last, like, two years, okay? That gives you a moment to uh, – to like reset right we're gonna have a new logo a new crest we're back at soldier field which they've already botched part of that was covid because they couldn't have anybody there at first but um they're only they're not getting a lot of people in there right now because who's gonna pay to watch who's gonna pay 30 bucks to watch the chicago fire right now you know uh so when you when you can get a new manager and you can have a new logo and you can produce these new kits that are probably going to be light blue, white, and red, it's going to mm-hmm. look great. There's there has to also be some excitement player wise there, and hopefully with a new manager, um, I don't know. I just don't think that obviously it's not all management issues or coaching issues. It's got to no. be. Player personnel as well, but look, this is a new ownership group that took over fairly recently. They're the ones that helped buy out the Bridgeview uh, lease to move them from Bridgeview back to Soldier Field. Something that was thought that couldn't ever be done because of how expensive that lease was at for Bridgeview. And so they have money. They have a drive. They wanted to rebrand. You know, they listen to the fans. They're bringing out something closer to the original branding. And that's where we always talked about like preseason about like how Dallas handled things or how we've talked about rebrands, I think with Houston and stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's like how many times you can only do that so many times now you actually have to put it on the field. And I think next year they have to put it on the field. They can't continue to put out a Chicago fire team. That's that's bottom of the East. Mm -hmm. And I mean, thankfully, on their end, Toronto hired Chris Armis, or else they'd probably be all the way at the bottom by themselves right now. With Chris Armis in hell. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. So let's go ahead and move to your last uh, headline. So, yeah, obviously we were kind of alluding to it before, but I, I wanted to talk about Toronto. Um, last five games they've lost um, with pretty much uh, just leaking goals. Um, over the last five matches – uh, they've allowed one against Orlando City, and then they allowed two against Crew, three against Orlando City, three against Nashville, and then two against a Cincinnati team that hasn't been able to score on pretty much anyone. Um, it's it's concerning because, you know, uh, this is a roster, like you said, Jordan, that is aging. Um, you know, Michael Bradley, their captain's 33, going on 34 here soon. Um, and there's not really anybody below that. That I mean, uh, Richie Larea is 26. Uh, Arrow is, uh, you know, 25. Yeah, um, still yeah. young. Omar Gonzalez is 32. Mavinga's 30. 
Um, it's just an older roster. Josie Altador was old until he's off playing by himself in the with the ten year olds. Actually, yeah, yeah, I think he's actually out here playing in my uh, in my yard. Oh yeah, because um, they're in Orlando. Yeah, yeah, like, like I think trains, he's huh? actually yeah he's actually over here kicking the ball in the net because um, he can't get along with anybody. Um, and the fact that he's been around for so long, and I get that there was there was rumblings of him moving on and getting a transfer uh, this offseason. But the fact he didn't that, like those rumors, though. Yeah, I remember in the right. January camp, people right. were saying that Toronto might be trying to move him on, and he was like, uh, he pretty much tried to call bullcrap on that, and it yeah. seemed like he was trying to say like, I don't want to go, or like that they're trying to force me out type of thing. And we're we're. Look, nobody has come out and talked about what the actual deal is with him, so I'm not sure mm-hmm. what caused this, why they're shunning him, but I'm yeah. assuming there has to be a reason. Yeah. But again, giving up 20 goals, the only other person that's given up 20 is San Jose, but at least San Jose can score goals. Um, Toronto struggles more so in that department. They've only got 12 goals this season. Um, so, you know, I, it, it is, uh, you know, San Jose and, and Toronto kind of similar beast. Uh, in and of their own, uh, you got Chris Armas, who's going to be gone probably sooner rather than later. This was like a one-year deal kind of thing. And I think once um, Vanny left, I think it left a lot of questions as to like what systems they use. I know you and I were asking, like, are they just going to adopt uh, Chris Armas' Red Bull philosophy because they think that that's what might work with Chris Armas? And we talked about the fact that these are older players at Red Bull at least – Armas had younger guys that could have, you know, pressed teams like they normally do. But now Chris Armas is having to play a game where it's much more like possession based and not more, you know, I've seen them try to press, but I don't think they can press for 45 minutes. I know Michael Bradley can't press for 45 minutes anymore. So, or, you know, 90 minutes. Um, It's concerning for them. It's concerning that they go out and spend that money for Soteldo, who, who could be a really good MLS player, but I think he's on a team that's kind of slowly dying and having a Pozuelo who's not been healthy at all this year has hurt them tremendously as well. I think some of the blame has to go to Canada, the country itself. That's for not true. letting yeah. these sport teams in. Uh, most of these players are probably faxed or, you know, uh, look, I'm not sure what Canada, I know a lot of Canadians that are, you know, when I read online upset with, the procedures with the border right now, but Mm -hmm. I I can't really speak to that. I'm not sure what their vaccine rollouts like or anything, but so if I'm not going to put the blame on Canada, then I'm going to put the blame on COVID. Right. And this is the second straight year where they're going to be playing their games in another country Mm -hmm. uh, without fans there. I mean, all these other teams have their home fans except for Montreal, Vancouver and Toronto. And while Montreal's been doing okay with it, Toronto just isn't. And I think that has to be a part of it. And, I I mean, I think with even Vanny there, they probably would have struggled. It Mm -hmm. wouldn't have been this bad. But I think they would have struggled. I think with the change of coaching, them still being far away from home. And I know we spoke with, I think, uh, I'm not sure who exactly mentioned it out of the Canadian teams we covered, but they mentioned that they should be – it's a little different this year because they are allowing – family members down there and them to, you know, be able to yeah, lose the hotels and stuff. I think Brady and then we're talking, I think Brady. That's what I thought it was too. Yeah. But there's, you're still away from home. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have the fans that can, we've seen some of the changes that fans have when we're watching the Euros, when we're watching yeah. uh, the 
the Premier League, when they started adding fans back in, it was like there was this push. You know, yeah. you, you can push the players, you can get behind them, and when they're playing in an empty, Exploria Stadium, it's it's just depressing. It's hard to watch on TV now that every other team has fans in to watch a game mm-hmm. in some of these locations with the closed doors. It's, it's tough. Yeah. I haven't been able to get into Copa America that much because of the they're still playing behind closed doors and uh, they do a whole group stage to remove two teams in Copa yeah. America right now. So, uh, but I, I think that's still got to be part of it. Now, obviously, I think we all knew Chris Armas was not the right fit for this mm-hmm. team, uh, and for somebody that does not get paid to think that, that's pretty astounding that we all kind <laughs> of picked up yeah. on that. Uh, they also were thinking about Ben Olsen, and it was like, who is in charge over there right now? Because none of those fit mm-hmm. at all. You know, like uh, when, when you're losing Greg Vanny and you're looking at, okay, let's get Ben Olsen, who's at DC Knight for 10 years and really achieved nothing. And then let's also look at Chris Armas, who took over for Jesse Marsh one season, won the Supporters' Shield off of that success, and then did nothing. There's not any other candidates that would have qualified for that job this is an issue we're going to find out about i think as i actually want to transition to san jose in a bit too here after Mm -hmm. just quickly touch on what their issue is but real quick i just want to go over toronto's schedule then Uh, so they have one win just like the fire two draws just like the fire they face dc united next who's been a surprise that's that audi field then they face New England at Gillette Stadium, where New England has won five matches out mm-hmm. of five. Then they face Orlando. Uh, that might be an Explorious. That's to be determined. Uh, but I think they might have to move. There might be games there, maybe. Toronto's doing that thing where they, they play here on a limited basis, and then if they've determined... Because there was rumors that they were oh, actually okay. going to move up north again. Um, so to, to so maybe... We'll see where that game's going to be yeah. at. Uh, but if it's at Orlando, then it's basically an Orlando home game at that rate. No fans, but you know, you're know you in the stadium that you mm-hmm. play in all the time. Then they face Red Bull, and then July 24th, they have Chicago Fire. When we look at Chicago's upcoming ones, they have Atlanta, which is going to transition to my next thing here in a bit. And then they have Orlando, Nashville, D.C., and Toronto. And four of those five are at Soldier Field. So they have a shot to maybe pick up some points, Chicago, to get out of the cellar while Toronto is struggling. I, I feel for Toronto and their players, though, with playing in a you know foreign country uh, all the time for the last two seasons. It's got to be mm-hmm. rough. Uh, Atlanta struggles. I just want to kind of touch on this. We don't have to spend too much time on this because I do want to also just touch on San Jose's uh, general manager thing. But because uh, I know we, we kind of got to wrap it up a bit as a shorter episode because of scheduling stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, we were kind of giving the benefit of the doubt to Atlanta early in the season. We thought Heinze would be able to really get this team looking sharp, even without Joseph Martinez being himself. He's also not there. He's at Copa right now. But when we're looking at this, look, they drew with the Union. The Union came back from the death. Really, they should have closed down Glesnus. They know he could shoot from there. They've seen it against the LAFC. New York City FC beat them. They draw with Red Bulls. So they've had some 
okay results. The last win, though, was May 15th against Montreal. You've had a 1-1 result against Seattle at Lumen Field. You had a 2-2 result against Nashville, where Nashville came from 2-0 down. You have Philadelphia coming back from 2-0 down. You have New York City FC winning, and then you have uh, Red Bull drawing. And guess what? Out of those results I just listed, three of those were at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The draw Mm -hmm. with Nashville, the draw with Red Bull, and the draw with Union. So they're just not getting it done at home. Coming up, they have Chicago Fire at Soldier Field. You like to think that they could get something from there. They have Nashville, who is in Nashville, and that's Again. kind of just uh, yeah, that that's a that's a tough. Nashville is yeah. dangerous, all right. Yeah. And then you have New England Revolution. Then you have Cincinnati, which you'd like to think that they could get some points from there, but you know Cincinnati is starting to improve. Then you have Columbus and Orlando. It's just not stopping right now for Atlanta, and they haven't been able to really turn it around. Good enough. They're currently sitting in 10th place. Now, again, they're at 12 points. They're only three points back of fifth place. So one win and those other teams losing, and they're they're shooting up the standings, and it looks pretty good. But I just don't have the faith in them, uh, all those home draws right now. Yeah, Joseph scoring two. He hasn't he hasn't really played at all in Copa, and he's not he wasn't in form when he left. So so bringing him back and trying to getting him form again, um, and then having to you know manage his time because they don't want to play him a ton because he's been over and he's not been in the system in MLS over here. Um, yeah, it, uh, you know Marcelino Moreno scores three goals, but after that nobody else has scored more than Joseph at two. Um, and that's just not going to get a ton. And we talked about that too. If Joseph isn't going to score 20 goals, 25 goals, this team's not one of the top teams in the East anymore. I'm starting to think it was mostly Tata Martino at this rate uh, that helped them out. I mean, they mm-hmm. haven't really hit on a DP in a while either. Right. I mean, Sosa's been good, but I mean, like, you know, they, they haven't really hit on one him. since uh, Almiron at this point. Mm-hmm. So let's just talk San Jose real quick. Uh, it'll, you know, This was announced just a few hours ago. Earthquakes are parting ways with their general manager, Jesse Fiorinelli. And something Paul Tenorio points out here is that, uh, this is his tweet here, it will be interesting to see if San Jose goes back to a consulting firm, the same or different than they used before for their next GM hire. Those hires have not been great in MLS. He ran the numbers earlier this month, and they were at a 1.05 points per game against 264 games at five clubs. Then he puts, ultimately, any hire falls on ownership, but the league has recommended firms, and the hires haven't worked out yet. It will be interesting on whether teams look more at domestic candidates uh, than the consulting firms. What's kind of your take on that? Why would you need a consulting firm to hire a GM? Couldn't you just have somebody? It obviously hasn't worked out. It's five clubs, 264 games, and only 1.05 points per game. Not a good look for MLS. And now I feel like if I'm the Quakes, I'm looking elsewhere. I'm not using that. Yeah, especially here in the U.S., what do they know about soccer? <laughs> like, That's the thing. I don't know. I don't know where they're based from. These, yeah. These... But again, like a consulting firm is ultimately going to be somebody that's here domestically because they're going to want to consult with advice that uh, is 
you know, beneficial to teams here in the United States in the domestic game. Like it's not going to be, it's, you know, you're not going to get a consulting firm from Europe and say, Hey, what's going on over the United States. Cause I don't know how to consult anybody on, on who to hire because I don't know the financials. I don't know the dynamics of the league. I don't know the market of the league, you know, the marketability. So I, I think that that, and, and this is all really confusing to me because it, I've you've never seen like mid season them go after a GM and then the rest yeah. of the front office go with them. Like it should clean house then. I mean, I, I think when he's Almeida, not, not a good look for Almeida, yeah. right? He's going to be gone at the end of the season because no. that GM is going to want to bring in their own guy, right? Own guy, anybody below him, he they're pretty much going to want to bring in a different person. The only time it's different is if like like this Wilf uh, family coming in from Minnesota. The difference between that is this team has been up for sale, and it's just a transaction between one ownership group and another ownership group. Um, that's a totally different thing. But firing a GM based off of you know the, these consulting firms have come in and said, hey, th- this will be a good hire, and then it's not. Um, you think you'd learn your lesson. It'd be like touching a stove and going, yeah, that's hot, but let me touch it again just to make sure if it's still hot. Um, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. And this team, I mean, man, it, it, they were fun to watch for those first five or six games because we thought maybe, just maybe, they had gotten uh, a decent signing and a, a good step in the right direction. But it just seems like they're just crumbling at the at the core again. I forget where I landed on them. I'll have to listen back, but I'm pretty sure I thought they were not making the playoffs this year. No, yeah, no, I don't uh, think either so, of them knew that. But uh, So, uh, to me, I feel like this is pretty dead on. I don't think, to be honest, maybe Almeida will go somewhere else and be a better coach, but I don't think he's been a great coach for San Jose. I don't think he's been a great coach at any of his clubs uh, from when we look at it. Uh, you know, even the players he brought in from those clubs to San Jose haven't really worked out. So, again, I mean – We'll see where they go from it. Uh, I think soccer is weird because really we're only the ones that have GMs over here. Like in other countries, they have directors of football Mm -hmm. or the coach makes the decisions. Mm -hmm. Uh, And before they added directors of football, they literally just had the coaches make all the decisions and they've started going to more of that GM route, but they don't call it that. Yeah. But it's kind of weird. Like, we don't really know of any up and coming GMs that were able to say, Oh, get this guy. Like when the Astros were good for baseball, like the mm-hmm. Orioles went and poached one of their guys, other people have poached the Rays guys, yeah. but because this is still a young league. And the fact is that general managers are not a worldwide thing. It seems hard to, to find them. Like the union went out and got one from, uh, you know, Ernst Tanner from, from Germany mm-hmm. as a, sporting director so maybe that's what they need is somebody that somebody that's going to come in with a vision of what type of play style works best and i know people said that the quakes have wasted wandalowski's career probably right when you look at playoffs and and stuff like that but this might be the best time for them to get rid of a gm going into this because now you won't have wandalowski which so that gm's not going to be tempted to be like, oh, we can just rely on him scoring goals. They're going to have to figure out this is the style I want to play, and they'll have to try to get those players. But the ownership needs to figure out who fits that that thing. The consulting firm can only do so much. They can yeah. they can give you a list of candidates. They can tell you their background. But ultimately, as Tenorio points out, it is ownership's decision. And it seems like they've, even before they use consulting firms for the Quakes, have not been good at it. Either way that they slice it. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just quickly go over what the what the schedule looks like for TV. 
this week. Um, here we go. So, uh, it is Thursday, July 1st. We have Austin versus Portland at Q2 Stadium. We mentioned this briefly, but Austin, uh, two draws at home, both nil-nil results. So we're still waiting for the first club goal at Q2 Stadium. It would have been great if it was Columbus just because of the history there, yeah. but it wasn't. Uh, Columbus on Saturday versus New England. Uh, so that Austin-Portland game is on FS1 on Thursday. Uh, Saturday, we have uh, Columbus versus New England at 5 o'clock. That's on ESPN. That's lower.com field or new crew stadium. 5.30, we have DC United versus Toronto. That's on ESPN+. Plus. Montreal versus Miami at 7.30. That's on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Orlando versus New York Red Bulls at 7.30 on ESPN+. Plus. Chicago versus Atlanta, 8 o'clock on ESPN plus um, all these, all the rest of them I'm just going to say are on ESPN plus Minnesota at eight o'clock for San Jose, Nashville versus Philly at eight o'clock in Nashville. That should be fun. Dynamo versus Cincinnati at eight 30 and 10 o'clock is Salt Lake versus LAFC. Then on Sunday, July 4th, we have three games. None of them on major networks. That's kind of a slap in the face. 8.30, we have Dallas versus Vancouver on ESPN+, Plus. Colorado versus Seattle at 9 o'clock, and 10.30 is LA Galaxy versus Sporting Kansas City. So all of them, you can't even watch every game. You're going to have to watch 30 minutes of Dallas and flip over to Colorado, Seattle. And then right before that one's over, you're going to have to flip over to LA Galaxy, <laughs> Kansas City. But remember, you need to watch the hot dog eating contest and like them flipping boats or something crazy on, on ESPN and Fox and all of the... Oh Crazy. yeah, is that that's July fourth, right? July fourth stuff. So. Crazy. Uh, well, if you want to reach out to us and let us know your thoughts, you can contact us on Twitter at Stateside Show, Facebook.com slash Stateside Show, Instagram at Stateside Show, email us stateside show at gmail.com. And we will catch you all next time. Thanks for listening or watching. Throwing his body in, it's going to fall for Ibrahimovic! Oh, come on! Come on! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. Men's National Team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show, presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.